And uh, once again, I'm so grateful that you're here. Uh, I know that um, you know, the weeks have gone by very quickly in this, this time of preparation that we call Lent that's leading up to Easter. Um, here at Table Life Church, we celebrate the last 40 days leading up to Easter in, in preparation for, uh, for the empty tomb. And so we've walked the journey with Jesus to the many places that he has visited. Well, I have to say, Easter is like one of my favorite like all-time holidays, like, you know, besides just the, the outside the church and that kind of thing. I, I have loved Easter just for so many years. Um, and the, it, it, Easter's an odd thing um, because you're here and it's not like you don't know what we're going to talk about, right? <laughs> In the spirit, though, of um, kind of the commercial side of the holiday, I thought it would be fun to just kind of start out together our time uh, by asking a question to you, and I want you to be completely honest with this, okay? Everybody, is that okay? You guys online, be honest. In an egg hunt, what candy do you most hope to find in the eggs. I'm going to give you some options. These are not all inclusive because I know there's going to be protests after the service that you didn't include my favorite. Okay, so put up that, the choices. These are your choices if you had to choose all of them. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in a minute. Those of you guys online, I want you to type in the chat if you're on Facebook or YouTube uh, to let us know which is your favorite. So how many chocolate bunnies, milk chocolate bunnies as your favorite? You would like dive for the, not dive, but dive for those eggs, right? Okay, milk chocolate bunnies, okay. Reese's or just peanut butter eggs. Yeah, which I'm learning. So I'm new to central Pennsylvania relatively and um, the like Easter egg thing like at gas stations is real. You go to gas stations and you have like chocolate, like. Uh, peanut butter eggs that you can buy, and they're amazing, by the way. I've had probably too many, so that was a highlight. What about jelly beans? Yes, my favorite, Starburst. We had a free case of them, and I think they're all gone in the church from the last 40 days in our office. Um, Peeps, marshmallow chicks. Please, don't be a hater. Don't be a hater, guys. No haters. Okay, good, good. I'm very proud of you all. What about the Whoppers Robin eggs? Oh, wow. I'm actually surprised at that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, they're, they're pretty good. And uh, you can raise your hand. You don't have to raise your hand, but I hate candy. Okay, nobody's, okay. We don't have any health, health nuts here that are super, I try to be healthy, but this is kind of my, my piece. But, um, you know, but when we go to egg hunts, whether, you know, growing up as a kid or if you have kids, grandkids, nieces, nephews, uh, volunteered our extravaganza last week, um, it's usually the case that what you find is worth the hunt. Why don't you keep those, mind, those words in mind? What you find is worth the hunt. And I think maybe that's why I personally enjoy watching little kids find Easter eggs. And I'm talking about not the search more, not the kind that are kind of littered in plain sight, um, like we've had to do with, I think, the zero through one-year-olds. So you just kind of put them on the lawn and, you know, just go up and pick up an egg, right? Uh, very, very easy. But, but ones that are actually hidden, like a good egg hunt, a good solid egg hunt. Um, I have a friend who, uh, when he was growing up, he had egg hunts at his uncle's wood shop, kind of on a farm. And um, they lasted, believe it or not, an hour and a half, an hour and a half, they would like hide the eggs in the sawdust, like the kids would be out there, the nieces and nephews, everybody. So it's like 90 minutes of good adult time, right? 
the adults would kick back, and that was like serious egg hunting. And it's kind of like similar, I think, to the game of hide and seek, you may remember. There's something intrinsically fun when you're a kid about hiding and waiting to be found, but there's also something equally exciting about running around trying to find something that's hidden. And I think the story of Easter, the story of Easter is about something hidden and something found. Something hidden and something found. Well, we've read the story of the resurrection, um, but I want to share with you a short scripture that was written by a guy named Paul who uh, came after Jesus. He was actually anti-Christian in every way. Any people that were following Christ um, in the first century after the resurrection, he was actually torturing people and putting them to death. But he had this encounter with Jesus who appeared to him, and that changed his life and transformed him. And he became one of the most the strongest proponents of Christianity and spreading the good news about Jesus. Well, Paul wrote this letter to the Colossians, who was basically a small group of Christians in, in kind of the Middle East area, um, about 30 years after the resurrection. 30 years after the, the resurrection, kind of modern day Turkey is where they were found. And I think in many ways, they were like us. They were like people who had never met Jesus, people who had never seen him, people who weren't there when the tomb was empty, and basically people who were going off of the stories that other people had told about Jesus before them. That's kind of like us, right? That's where we find ourselves. We haven't seen Jesus, we haven't encountered him, we weren't at the tomb, but we're going off of, our basis of our faith is off of stories. But there were also people who were searching. And so Paul says this, I'm gonna invite everyone to read this scripture together with me. Can you all do that? Is that good? Okay, let's read Colossians 3 verses one through four. Ready, set, go. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory." So, so I think this scripture kind of points this idea, once again, similar to where we are as, as people who have not been at the tomb. I think what we find first is that it's time to search and to ask. It's time to search and to ask. That in our, in our own journeys, well, first we see that the Colossians were people who were searching at their time. They were searching not just for answers to questions of what job to take, or what house to buy, or what to eat for dinner, or dare I say, uh, what the Eagles or the Steelers are going to do in Super Bowl 2023, who knows. Um, they weren't thinking about those questions, but they were asking big life questions, maybe questions that you've asked before. Questions that in many ways encompassed a lot of smaller questions about what to do and where to go. And I have to say this, uh, you know, a, a lot of people have, have come up to me and said that one reason why they love Table Life Church, they love it here, is because we don't try to give everybody all the right answers, but instead, we want people to ask the right questions, to ask the right questions, to discover for yourself. 
And actually, this is in line with practice of the ancient rabbis who would take on disciples. That was what Jesus was operating under, or take on kind of followers, disciples, to learn under them. And the way of the rabbis was to teach their disciples to be good question askers. In fact, a good rabbi would usually pair up disciples. You wouldn't do things on your own, but they would pair up disciples together and give them kind of a topic, a theological topic, something to think about about God. And they would be challenged with the task of coming together, the two disciples, and basically debating that topic, but only using questions. Interesting. Only using questions, not giving answers. And this is kind of in the spirit of what Jesus was doing through his teachings. The questions are good. Questions are good things. And those of you who know me well, uh, you know it doesn't take long to be with me before you figure out that I believe part of the Christian life is about asking really good questions. And over and over again, following those questions with better and better answers. The Colossians, though, were at a critical crossroads. They, were, they had a decision to make, though, in their time, especially being influenced by so much in their world, about the answers that they would accept to address their questions. And of course, they had options before them, just as we do. Answers to life's biggest questions and challenges. Questions like, what is my basic worldview? How do I process and make sense of suffering and pain? What do I do with doubt and uncertainty? The big question, what is life about? But then the second question, what is death about? But what's interesting, I think, when we reflect on our lives is that often the most fruitful times of our questioning and seeking answers, often the most fruitful times come at times that that we face a tomb, a tomb in our lives. Often called a disorienting dilemma is a word that psychologists use. A time that things are flipped upside down in our lives and we're challenged. It might be a tragedy. It may be the death of someone you love. It may be the tomb of depression, tomb of diagnosis, a tomb of divorce, a tomb of addiction, a tomb of a dream maybe you've had that has died. It's interesting though, the tomb, the tomb that we visit, the tomb that we visit in from Jesus' day, In the scriptures, it's it's described as never having been used before. This is a picture, actually, of the tomb, if you go visit it um, in in Israel. But it's described as never having been used before. And that that has always struck me as being like, do people, like, borrow these things, right? Like, I don't know. Well, actually, yes, they're recycled. Believe it or not, the practice at the time was when somebody passed away, in this case, Jesus was taken down from the cross, they would anoint the body, they would wrap it in linens, And then they would have, basically, inside the tomb, they would have, like, a table that was laid out. And they would lay the body on that. And then they would close the tomb. And over the course of about a year, they would allow the body to decompose to the point that it was just bones. Then they would go back into the tomb. They would collect the bones and put them in a little box and then put that box into the wall somewhere. Usually it was a family that would have one of these tombs. And they put the box into the wall as known as an ossuary. And so then they would recycle the tomb over and over and over again. But we see in the story of Jesus that first, that there wasn't time to anoint the body, which is why the women are going back a couple days later. But also the fact that this isn't even Jesus' tomb, that it was lent to him by Joseph of Arimathea. But that was the custom. 
is that the women were coming to complete step one. They hadn't had time before the sun had set and that they had to observe the Sabbath. So they come back to complete that, and they weren't going to revisit that body probably for another year or so until it was, was, gone, until it was down to bones. And yet they, they're surprised because they encounter an angel sitting there saying, he is not here. And then the angel tells them, go, right? Go, go back to the disciples. See, they weren't made to stay at the tomb. They weren't meant to stay at the tomb. And let me say this, friends, you're not meant to stay at your tomb. Whatever that tomb is that you've been facing, that's not the place to stay because that's what the story of, of Jesus shares with us. A number of years ago when I was in college, um, I uh, met this guy in one of my classes and um, we decided we were gonna go on a first date and trying to figure out, it was around like springtime. And um, he was not, a, he didn't go to church, he wasn't really a Christian, but he was very curious. And so I thought it would be a brilliant idea for our first date to take him to a Good Friday service. <laughs> Let me just say this, that I will not recommend that. Um, and so I remember bringing him into our church and sitting down, and he was like watching all these kind of rituals. Uh, I grew up Roman Catholic, and there were, you know, just a lot of processions and things in Good Friday. And um, I remember like sitting there, he's like, what is going on here, right? We're like, death, there's like black cloth, and then we like strip the altar, and there's all this stuff, and then we leave in silence, and like that was his like first exposure to Christianity. Right, really, really scary. <laughs> I don't recommend that once again. But um, it, was, it was interesting though because leaving that space without any other idea of the story that takes place after, doesn't it change your perception? Doesn't it change your perception of life? Right, that a life without Jesus actually ends at the tomb. That idea shapes your life, that a life without Jesus, without the resurrection, it does end at the tomb. But friends, we're not made to stay at the tomb. It's time to move from the tomb. That's what the women at the, at the tomb of Jesus were called to do. They weren't called to stay there and examine and maybe have a little worship together. No, they were sent away. And so Paul asks us that great question. Are you setting your mind on things above or on things below? And let me say this, the only ones who have permission to set their minds on things below are two people, two kinds of people, grave diggers and dirt farmers. We have a dirt farmer over there. That was a little, that was a little dig right there. A little, get that? A little dig. <laughs> but when we read the story of the empty tomb, what we're seeing in what Paul promises is something in this story about who Jesus is. And there's always this argument about was the body stolen? And many times when we were trying to wrestle with this story, you know, did the followers steal the body? Well, what's interesting is the grave clothes. The grave clothes. That they, in a sermon back in the fall, Pastor Jeff shared a message about how they would wrap the body very intentionally. But we see in Jesus' case, the clothes are set away. They're set on the side with the, with the part that would have covered the head folded up neatly in the corner. And you think if the disciples were about to seal, wouldn't they do things rather quickly than probably take an extra 10 to 20 minutes trying to unwrap the body? See, it's time to move from the tomb. 
There's something about Jesus' coming, his suffering, his dying, and his being resurrected that I believe tells us something about our life. Our life is hidden in his story. Our life is hidden in his story. And we see that word in, as Paul writes to the Colossians, the word hidden that he uses. Our life is hidden in Christ. It also means covered. Think in the terms of, I got you covered, right? You take a friend out to eat, you're like, okay, I'm paying for it. I got you covered this time, like we're good, like that kind of thing. The promise that Paul makes is that the more and the deeper that we search into the story of Jesus, the more we discover who we are and what this is about. And what you find is worth the hunt. It's time to move from the tomb, but then it's also time to find new life. It's time to find new life. That's what the resurrection is about, about taking death and transforming it into new life. And let me say this, that this morning, it's not important if, whether or not you have the resurrection figured out. It's not important at all if you like church. It's not important whether you've lived an exemplary life or a life full of mistakes. It's not important if you can name all the books of the Bible or you can't name a single one. But let me say this, what I care about though is that you are open to experience resurrection. That the hunt is worth the find, the hunt is worth the find. What I care about is that you focus on things above rather than below. That I, what I care about is whether you see what's possible or whether you're stuck in only what's impossible. What I care about is when you look at your life, you see potential and possibility, not dead ends. What I care about is that you're able to live a life out of hope for the future and not remorse for the past. What I hope is that you understand that your search for meaning has profound answers found in the story of Christ. And what I care about is that you may also experience the joy of community, of being with others, not the pain of isolation. I care about whether or not you find pain and suffering redeeming. And what I care about is that when you look at Easter, you see beauty in an empty tomb. In short, what I care about is whether you're really living or you're walking dead. What you find is worth the hunt. In closing, I want to tell you just a short story. A story of two people who uh, had visited a previous church that I was a pastor at. Two people who grew up in a similar environment. Both people didn't like church. They found they had a lot of questions and they didn't find a church as a place that welcomed those questions at all. They encountered, when they went to school, a diversity of worldviews, all these other ideas and, and, and foundings, and they graduated and they entered the working world. But they found at some point that something was lacking in life, and for one reason or another, they decided to go back and try things again. Well, the guy could not get past his inability to see the stories in scripture as wrong scientifically. He couldn't get past his experience of some Christian's narrow-mindedness or things that were said and done in the name of God over the course of history. He couldn't accept the mystery of God 
and couldn't accept the idea that the church is not perfect. And the woman was similar. But she felt something was speaking to her, begging her to go deeper, to hunt more. And she began to show up on a weekly basis, and she actually started out in the lobby watching uh, in the sanctuary, where over months she would edge her way inward. And so over time, she began to try some of the things that were preached in the messages. She still wrestled. She still asked questions, though. And she had doubts about how it all fit together. But like the women on Easter morning, she decided to go to the tomb. She looked around in that tomb of her doubts. She asked questions, and she stayed in the struggle. What did she find? Well, she said that she was glad that she found community. She found friends. She found people to walk and journey alongside her. She said she found so much here, but then when I asked her, what is the best you have found? She says, the more I read, the more I encounter God's people in this community, the more I encounter God and start seeing things in my own life. You know what else I found? She said, I found myself. Friends, I don't know what you're looking for. I don't know what you've been searching for. But I'll tell you this, the story of Christ is rooted in the moment we share today. And if you'll commit to digging deeper, and those of you who maybe have a friend or a relative, to to journey alongside with them, I believe that we can find something profound. Because what might God want to resurrect in your life? Are you open? What you find is worth the hunt. But in the words of the Gospels, which the angel which encounters, who encounters the women tells them, but don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here, but he is going ahead of you. And there you will see him just as he told you. And as we approach the table today, I'd invite everyone here, everyone online, just to take a moment to pause, to pause on this day, to reflect, to listen to what God may be revealing or sharing with you in that stillness of our hearts. That we would thank him for the victory that he's had over death. We thank him for the invitation to be a part of a bigger story.